When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome back inside the Horseshoe. This is the Monday after Ohio State's Idol Week, off week. Already went over that. That's yeah. the 40-year vet, Tim May. I'm Spencer Holbrook. Behind me are still standing goalposts, one of 130 FBS stadiums with active goalposts right now, Tim. Yeah. Uh, we referenced that active. because, <laughs> we ref I mean, the Tennessee goalposts were active on Saturday night. Yeah, they let they, that duck through, man. I bet they, I'm assuming they made their way into the Tennessee River and, uh, you know, but that's what we're here to talk about, Tim. Uh, no Ohio State game on Saturday, so we don't really have a game to break down. We can break down the first six weeks again if we want to. But, Tim, I was sitting there on Saturday, uh, had some, some family over uh, to watch some football, and all I could think about was how does all of this that's unfolding in front of me involve and pertain to Ohio State? You had Michigan uh, look really impressive and dominate against Penn State, or you could look at the other side of that coin and say, Ooh, that trip to Happy Valley looks a little less intimidating now here in two weeks. Yep. Next week, I guess, uh, now, as we turn the page into the Iowa week. Um, you had Tennessee take down Alabama, a seismic event in college football. Another thing I was thinking about, Tim, not trying to monologue here, but or you know, go on a diatribe, but Alabama loses. Everybody kind of, the whole college football world kind of stops. You know, uh, Oklahoma State loses to TCU. Yeah. Uh, USC no longer unbeaten. Yeah. Uh, you know, Oklahoma gets back on track, beats Kansas. Like everything. Oklahoma that, gets back on. Oklahoma's and, on a siding, man. Yeah. They're, they're not getting back <laughs> on the main track. But go ahead. And then also, you know, a big one that pertains to Ohio State didn't catch a lot of national attention. Illinois, uh, you know, beats up on I think Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. And Purdue beats Nebraska. Now you got Illinois and Purdue, the two heavyweights at the top of the Big Ten West. Uh, you know, in line to play potentially Ohio State or Michigan now in the Big Ten championship game. I guess Penn State's still in that contention, but you watch that game on Saturday. Everything that happened really does pertain to Ohio State, Tim, and that's what we're here to talk about. We're going we're gonna to get into a lot of that. Yeah, and Penn State, obviously, uh, to be in it. Uh, Michigan's got to lose twice now. Yep. You know, you don't really see that happening. You know, I guess it could. They still play Michigan State and Ohio State. They're two nemesis. And Illinois. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, but Michigan State and Ohio yeah. State are the ones that have beaten them. Of course, you know, Michigan State bounces back and finally gets a win and what, overtime over Wisconsin? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, back to, the, back to your theme. The theme is correct. Um, uh, from the standpoint of you're watching that game in Alabama, or they're going to pull it out in the, in the final in the final uh, moment there with a 50-yard field goal. It sailed wide right, like I said, like my tee shots were doing the other day. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that game's going to overtime, right? No. Uh, Tennessee goes whatever it had to go with Hendon Hooker, and a lot of things happen in those in those final 15 seconds number one Hendon Hooker hit a couple of passes which put them in uh, and the kid made a great catch I'm trying to remember the kid's uh, name that made the great catch and put up set him up in field goal position and then the kid delivered the duck the uh, as the announcer said the made loaf of bread going through the uh, doesn't matter man yeah it doesn't matter it's like doesn't matter how it, how it goes through as long as it goes through yep and uh, and what happens there is it, it's it's just like hitting the reset button uh, on the on the college football uh, situation around the country. 
with, with Alabama going down. Alabama, of course, is still in it because they can still win their way into the college football playoff. Absolutely. Without a doubt, they can. Uh, because what it matters now is it sets up another huge showdown, Tennessee and Georgia coming up. If, if Tennessee can get past Kentucky, too, in a couple of weeks, Tennessee and Georgia is going to be ridiculous how much is going to be on the line there. Yeah. But what, I'm, what we're getting to here is it also reset the Heisman Trophy race because Hendon Hooker is the real deal. Everybody sees that now. C.J. Stroud has been the runaway, as far as the odds go, the runaway leader for the Heisman Trophy, and he probably still is to a certain extent this week. But now everybody's got their eye on Hendon Hooker from Tennessee, this 24-year-old phenom, <laughs> former transfer for a couple of years ago. Where did he transfer from? I think Virginia Tech. I can't remember. Yeah, Virginia Tech. But, but the point is, a lot of things got changed with that game because Hendon Hooker has games now, showcase games that can put him squarely in the Heisman Trophy race if he comes through with this Tennessee team, which seems to be getting better and better and better. You know, Josh Heupel, boy, man, a lot of people thought Rocky Top was gone for good. I mean, which is uh, very interesting now, How what a great job Josh Heupel has done in a couple of years there to turn things around. And of course, the SEC race is up for grabs. But the, but the most interesting thing too in the SEC is, now it's the SEC East everybody's got their eye on, not the SEC West, even though Alabama's got a huge game coming up with Ole Miss in a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, Ole Miss still undefeated. So. Yeah, it's pretty interesting to watch from afar. And 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 the other thing that happened, and Ohio State was already in the driver's seat as far as getting another shot at a college football playoff uh, berth, uh, but now it very much is, number two in the country. Uh, uh, so you're right, when Alabama or Ohio State get beat, gets beat, it changes things for a lot of people. It changes everything in college football, Tim, and, and that's the conversation is driven by those two programs every year. Every single year, you ask the question in the SEC, it's not can, can they win the SEC, it's can they beat Alabama. You know, in the Big Ten, it's not can they win the Big Ten, it's can they beat Ohio State. When a team beats them, beats Alabama, beats Ohio State, yeah. it is a huge event, it, not only you know, in that conference, but in this sport. Yeah. And it changes the conversation. Now I look at things, and you know, I always said if an undefeated SEC team uh, you know, is up against undefeated Ohio State, Ohio State will not be the number one seed in the college football playoff. Well, now this is a lot of ifs, but you know Alabama goes on to win the SEC championship game. They've got one loss. And Ohio State can run the table. You're looking and, at 13 and, and Ohio State. Then you talk and about being the Peach Bowl. You talk about an Ohio State. We're not going to get back into that, Ted. But you know you're looking at an undefeated Ohio State as the number one seed, and so it changes everything because you know that one versus four is a lot different than two versus three. We found that out in 2019. LSU yeah. got to play a you know, a bad, Oklahoma, decent, but not great Oklahoma team. Ohio State had to play Clemson. You know, those kind of things are, they matter. And and so yeah. now you talk about Tennessee being a contender. I look at Michigan in a little different of, of a lens than I did, uh, you know, on Friday when we were previewing that game. Uh, now that they, they roughed up on Penn State, you look at that Michigan rushing attack and, and can the Buckeyes, you know, be able to be physical enough to, to stop what Michigan does on the ground and, and, you know, be able to establish the run against those guys. Yep. A lot of things, Tim, were able to unfold in front of Ohio State, and I say in front of because the Buckeyes were sitting at home watching. Ryan Day made it clear. Nobody was working Saturday. They, they had one off day this entire, uh, you know, season really. Yep. It was Saturday. and. 
I thank whoever made the schedule. The football gods look down upon us pretty well, Tim. Uh, allowing us to watch those games rather than work the Ohio State game on Saturday. Well, I'm one of the uh, fools that stayed up and watched the end of the uh, <laughs> USC uh, Utah game. USC had, charged. USC, USC had that seemed like to have control of that game, and Utah never went away. Yep. And then Cam Rising, you know, as I said, a bad moon rising. That's exactly what that was for uh, for USC, and that takes you, in my opinion, that that takes USC out of the picture. I mean. That, that kind of loss because, you know, obviously Utah already had two losses. A lot of people had them penciled in as, as a possible fourth team in the college football playoff going into the season. Yep. Uh, I think the, the Pac-12 took a hit there. Of course, UCLA is still in there swinging. Yep. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, a lot of things, I mean, Oklahoma State, TCU, that's as good a football game as you're ever going to watch. I had it on split screen with the Alabama. Um, you think about a 75-inch. Uh, 75-inch uh, uh, TV is when you go split screen. You still got two 35-inch uh, TVs. <laughs> That's true. It's pretty cool. But uh, but the bottom line is uh, TCU is the real deal too. The TCU has got a lot of grit, uh, just like Tennessee does. Uh, TCU, I think, is a little bit short-shrifted right now in the rankings. Uh, but we'll see how that goes because, like we, you and I've talked about many times, Ohio State is going to play Michigan. Uh, Alabama and Tennessee and Georgia are all going to play each other if, in fact, Alabama wins the West or Ole Miss is going. So, so teams are going to get beaten in that group. The team that can still run the table right now that isn't playing somebody in that group is TCU. So a lot of football to be played, but it was definitely the reset button for the middle of the season. And the last six weeks of the regular season are going to be ridiculous. Yeah, Tim, I just think about it this way. You know, if Tennessee beats Georgia and then Alabama beats Tennessee in the SEC championship game, you know, that you've got a lot of one-loss SEC teams there. You know, who do you put in the college football playoff? You know, I also think about, you know, if Tennessee loses to Georgia and then Alabama beats Tennessee, well, Tennessee beat Alabama, Alabama beat Tennessee. Yeah. You know, t- you know it, it's just there's so many different options now for this college football playoff, how it could shake out. And, you know, you're seven weeks into the season, you're sitting on the couch watching all this, and you'd like to think that everything's kind of starting to get a little more clear. No. Saturday just mucked it all up. You know, it's really mucky right now. It's really, you're really trying it's to like see. It's like 2007 again for the BCS, the top two BCS teams, yeah. except instead of the final two weekends, this this is gonna happen over the final seven weekends when you take into account the uh, the, the conference championship games. I mean, it can, it can get really crazy, just like we talked about. This is no cakewalk for Ohio State by any stretch. No. I think anybody that thought Michigan uh, had gone away or had like lessened uh, compared to where it was a year ago are sadly mistaken. Now, the question is, can J.J. McCarthy, can you, can some team figure out how to put the ball in J.J. McCarthy's hands and make them make him have to beat you throwing the ball? That's that's will be Ohio State's task, obviously, uh, whether it can stop that running game enough to make J.J. McCarthy have to throw it. You know, that was a big question going into the weekend. It was not answered because they rushed for, what, 400 yards or whatever it was. It was crazy, not 400, well, but a huge number rushing against against Penn State, which had been stuffing the run. But of course, Rutgers had been stuffing the run before Ohio State showed yeah. up. Well, Tim, it's interesting because you bring that up, and we can talk a little bit about Michigan. I don't want to get too far into that. Uh, but, you know, J.J. McCarthy threw the ball 24 times for 144 yards. We're talking that's, about down the field, yeah, making big-time throws down the field, under duress. 
that's a lot of horizontal, <coughs> you know, sideline to sideline yes. throws, not a lot of challenging downfield. Not like Hendon Hooker did in the last 15 seconds against uh, Alabama. Yeah, it's interesting. JJ is, it seems to be really good at those short intermediate throws and doesn't throw the ball very well downfield. Then you got Hendon Hooker well, who throws the know. ball, who throws the ball over the top really well and kind of struggles intermediate yeah. and short. So, you know, different quarterbacks, different strokes for different folks, different quarterbacks for different offenses. But yeah, the Wolverines can run the ball to him. I think that's well known now. Ohio State got to watch that firsthand, like I said. You know, the, the, the Woody was closed on Saturday for the most part, and uh, you know, Ryan Day said he was going to watch some games. Uh, I know a couple other coaches were able to to get out and uh, spend some time with their families uh, from from conversations I had ar around the Woody. Uh, you know, it was just a, a good day to not have to work really and just be able to watch it all. And down goes USC, down goes Alabama, down goes Penn State. Uh, down goes Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. So you've got some the ranks of the unbeaten. Is it's a little bit more of an exclusive club. These guys are still in it, and with Iowa on deck, before you get to that, what what was a massive showdown against Penn State, I think it's lost a little bit of its luster, not only being at noon, but now Penn State losing, and Penn State now having to turn around and play a very physical, very violent Minnesota team that will run the ball on you. Yeah. And Penn State obviously has issues with, against the run game. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting, Tim. You could see Penn State on a two-game losing streak when the Buckeyes had to happy Valley. Yeah, you could, but I mean, you, you know, you my, in my opinion, the disappointing team from the West right now is Minnesota. I thought Minnesota had a great shot of winning that thing this year, just based on the way the way the situation of teams that were coming back. The surprise team is Purdue in the West, in uh, obviously. Well, yeah, in Illinois, uh, without a doubt, Illinois. Uh, uh, you know, two weeks ago, uh, that nine-six uh, classic <laughs> against Iowa. Uh, but, you know, let's, let's put our focus on what, what matters right now. Is Ohio State uh, is playing one of the worst, is going against one of the worst offenses in the country in Iowa this week, but really one of the better defenses in the country. Yes. Uh, uh, this is where Ohio State's uh, uh, offense that, you know, I'm going to write about this week about how diverse it is. This will be definitely watching a burglar pick a lock against Iowa. Uh, bottom line is what Ohio State can do that a lot of other teams can't in the country is they can run the ball this year, but then they also have maybe the best passing attack in the country. So that gives you a lot of choices when it comes to, to picking that lock. And uh, that, that will be the definite uh, challenge for Ohio State on Saturday. Yeah, Tim, Ohio State has struggled to run the ball at times when they're given a one safety, one high safety look. Uh, you know, you get three linebackers in the box, you bring another safety down, you get two corners out on the islands. Uh, you know, a couple other te couple teams have given the Buckeyes a few different issues trying to uh, run the ball against that one safety look. That's but what then it's designed to stop. You go to the passing game and you force two safeties back, and then all of a sudden you can run the ball really well, and they still have to keep those two safeties back to respect the passing game. That's the challenge for this Iowa defense is how, I guess. Oh, yeah, that's the challenge for... It's, it's well, the dumb question, yeah. but yeah. like... How? How, do you, how are you going to play these guys? And so if Jackson Smith and Jigba's back, I, I don't see how Iowa does. But if anybody is going to figure out this Ohio State offense and wait, how to maybe – Wait a minute. Let me, let me interrupt you. I mean, everybody – and I understand the fixation on Jackson Smith and Jigba. Probably the best returning wide receiver in the country. But Ohio State has already proven it can throw the ball, that it's deep in oh, the yeah. wide receiver room. I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba will add to that. But Ohio State is not inadequate at all without him. Oh no! If you follow my drift, not at I mean, all. Julian Fleming has been one of the stories of the last several weeks. The way he has come back finally and showing you 
Oh, so, okay, that's Julian Fleming. That's that guy you were talking about two, two, three years ago about being a five-star. You know, Emeka Egbuka is the breakout player of the, of the, of the, of the nation, in my opinion, in the wide receiving core aspect of things. And Marvin Harrison Jr. is biding his time before he follows his dad in the NFL and becomes a star on that <laughs> That's level. That's true. So, and then you've got maybe the nation's, well, I think the nation's still nation's best quarterback in C.J. Stroud. Uh, I really, truly believe that based on what I saw over the weekend. Uh, I think Bryce Young is really, obviously he's coming back from being injured. He threw the ball 52 times, so he must not, <laughs> you must know. not be that injured. Yeah, and then Hendon Hooker is this guy who was kind of coming on last year and is now, but, but my point is, this Ohio State offense, wow, I, I, I would be more concerned at this moment as we talk on a Monday on the health of Mayan Williams from the standpoint of being he and Travion Henderson sharing the load against a hard-hitting, uh, sound Iowa run defense. That's what, you know, that would be my concern. If Jackson Smith and Jigba plays, that is a bonus. I, guess. I didn't mean to interrupt you, no, but, yeah, I, but, like but people, keep, people keep asking me about it. And I go, man, they've moved on from, you know, it's like uh, they've, they've been very good without Jackson Smith and Jigba. Well, I guess, Tim, the point that, that I, was, I was going to make, and I'm, I, you I think you're up, changing your you mind about a, the point you were going to make you raise a very, based on the point I just made. No, not at all. You raise, <laughs> a very, you raise a very valid point here. Okay. The point I'm trying to make is if Jackson Smith and Jigba is healthy and you don't bracket him or try to put help on him, oh, you stop it. it's, he's going to get the ball. Yeah. But if he's doing that and you choose not to bracket him and you also choose not to bracket him, Mecca Ibuka, then... I guess, uh, I guess the point so, I'm making is for this offense to flourish... Even if Jackson Smith and Jigba is there, he doesn't have to get the ball. I yeah. guess that's oh, yeah. the point I'm making. Because he, he he demands attention, even if he's only got four catches for right. 36 yards so far this season. When he is back in the lineup, he will demand that attention. And but so, the other three guys are doing that too. Oh, yeah, you know, for sure. I mean, they've, they're demanding attention. Somebody is getting single coverage on every play, obviously. And then you also factor in <clears throat> Kate Stover and, like you said, the running game and yeah. potentially G. Scott being into the fold. Uh, yeah. Like I was, I was going to say, if there's one defensive mind in this league that I think has a chance to kind of play cat and mouse with Ryan Day, it's Phil Parker. Yeah. He is very, very good at what he does. Yes. Does Phil Parker have the not only the scheme, because scheme can make up for some talent, but across 60 minutes, we've seen talent take over time and time again, Tim. Yeah, Saturday uh, we saw it. It took over Saturday. It took over when Ohio State played Notre Dame on this very turf a few weeks. You know, at, at the end of the day, Ohio State had the dudes. Yeah. And Notre Dame in the fourth quarter didn't have the same kind of They shoved and Notre so, Dame down the field. And so, yes, Iowa will present challenges to this Ohio State offense. I'm very interested to see that yeah. cat-mouse fun that Ryan Day and Phil Parker have across the field from each other. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to, to bet against Ohio State right now because of what this offense could do. And by the way, Tim, Iowa has an absolute – I'm not going to sugarcoat anything this week. I promise. You know how I am. This Iowa offense is awful. It is awful. It's so terrible. So you're, saying they're not, you're saying they're not very good? They are, they're so bad. They're 131st in the country. And, uh, folks, there are 131 FBS programs. They are 131st in the country in offense. They Thank God they the played ball. Nevada. Yeah, or else they'd maybe be whatever's below the last. Yeah, well, it's, and so, yeah, it's like Urban, Urban Meyer was talking about this one. Urban's take shit thing I do. They were down below many FCS schools when you rated them. I mean, from an offensive standpoint and stuff uh, several weeks ago. And I don't think it's gotten much better. No, not at all. And so, 
here's, if Ohio State, here's what you're trying to say. Can I sum up what you're trying to say? Yeah. This is the moment when the Ohio State defense steps up and takes a stranglehold on a team and doesn't let go. I do believe that. I thought it was going to be that way a week and a half ago at Michigan State. And it almost was, but you throw a pick six, boom, they get a touchdown. <clears throat> and uh, and my point is, uh, I think this is the game where you see the Jim Knowles defense really, but but will we rate it that way based on who they're playing? You know, you know what I mean? Based yeah. on the competition. Well, That's what's going to be interesting. Because I'm telling you, Iowa's offensive line, just like I was talking about before Ohio State played Wisconsin, this is not the Wisconsin offensive lines of old. Uh, you could watch that again on Saturday when Michigan State was going against them. This is not the Iowa offensive lines you're used to seeing. Nope. I mean, uh, bottom line is Ohio State's defense could really, really step up and really take center stage in this one. So, Tim, Iowa had six points against Illinois uh, on two short fields. One of them was off of a muff punt inside the five-yard line. They ended up moving backward and still kicking a field goal. Dude, Iowa scored seven points uh, in their opener this year and, and didn't score a touchdown. Yes. Uh, they also... You know, you watch that Michigan game. Iowa did not move the ball until they started throwing the ball, which is kind of weird that Michigan allowed them to throw the ball a little bit there at the end, but I think that was in garbage time anyways. Uh, you know, pseudo-garbage time. I think Michigan knew that they had that game wrapped up. Yeah. All of that is to say this Iowa offense is terrible. It is awful. And if Ohio State has a defense that can win a national championship, this Iowa offense will not have over 200 total yards, just as the Michigan State offense had 105 yards. Aren't you, shouldn't you quarter. save that for bold predictions? Well, I'm not predicting it. What? Hey. No, that's like the sun coming up right now. Everybody yeah. can see that what's coming. Stay tuned for Friday. Bold predictions will be a fun episode when I get to talk about Brian Ferentz and this Iowa offense, oh, I wow. promise. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Tim, I think this defense has a, a, a good opportunity to really show, you know, this is a bad offense, and if you are a respectable defense that has taken the next step, you will completely shut this this Iowa offense down. That's all to conversation for Saturday. Yeah. Uh, after the last Saturday, Tim, uh, I could talk about this kind of stuff for, for hours because of how much fun I had watching all those. I heard games you had a party Saturday. at your house. That's what your uncle Dan told me. Yeah, a little bit. I was of on one. his radio show. <laughs> a little bit of one, Tim. Not not too many people, but we had some some family and friends over to uh, to celebrate a few birthdays. Did you roast a pig. No, not a whole not a whole hog, Tim. Uh, but we might roast a whole hog because today is Matt Parker's birthday, the recruiting extraordinaire for LettermanRow.com. If you've made it this far in the video, make sure you go to Matt Parker LR at Matt Parker LR on Twitter. Tell him happy birthday, folks. Uh, you know he's doing a great job covering recruiting, and it's a celebratory photos. day for Matt. He's he's got some good photos, like you said. Yeah. So happy birthday, Matt. Wanted to give a shout out there. Tim, let's get out of here. It's pretty. It's cold. brisk. It's cold out here. Uh, it shouldn't be this cold on Saturday when Ohio State and Iowa fill this place up. Uh, Saturday, October 22nd in the Horseshoe at noon. Big noon Saturday. I think Urban Meyer is going to be here uh, for the whole show, the former, yeah. former national championship ball coach. Uh, Tim and I will also be here. That's Tim May, the 40-year vet. I'm Spencer Holbrook. Make sure you hit the little bell below. Get a notification every time we make one of these videos. But, again, for Tim, I'm Spencer. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back in the Horseshoe on Saturday, and we'll see you in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center for a full breakdown of the Ryan Day press conference on Tuesday.